का समास Das ist die Hörmaschine. Hörmaschine 48. Hörmaschine 48. A travel, a journey into the cosmos with and of Buckminster Fuller and especially Stanoflico. Heute eine Reise in den Kosmos von und mit Buckminster Fuller und vor allem Stanofilko. complex, intelligent they appear, is still a machine. The trouble with a machine is that once it's set to do a particular job, it doesn't do any good to argue with it. The only way to stop it is to shut it off or wreck it. Thank you, man. 
the robot had to obey its orders. If I would have to invent a story about the creation of the universe, at the bed of an inquisitive but tired child in the evening, myself a bit tired and clueless, I would say perhaps. The universe is a black ink which is constantly spilled by somebody. If intended or unintended, we don't know, my sweetheart. Or I would say to it, it is about to shatter. Always there are created new things when somewhere in some galaxy one power is shattering another one. Collision, fragmentation, new shapes, new start. And perhaps the child would look at me skeptical with this one sight that it would seem to me as so wise that I get sometimes creeps from it, 
that I wouldn't step in a child's room without a switch on the light in the night many times. Softly lit of course softly lit, but I would concentrate myself now, stand the look of the child, stroke his hair and murmur. Long time ago there lived went the knot. The knot had nothing. No legs, no shoes, no furniture, no voice, no body, no trees, no sky, no questions, no stars, no dog. The knot was living mainly in absolute silence since it had no noise and no ears. To be true it didn't live neither, it was just nodding around. In the life of the knot there were no days and no hours, no laughter, no animals, no cakes, no technics, no light. In the life of the knot wasn't never anything happened and therefore the knot didn't experience a single adventure and didn't fear anything. The knot never didn't get to know someone. The knot did have no friends, no family, no origin, no future. The knot just didn't experience anything and was nothing. Therefore it decided one day, we don't know if it was out of boredom or without any reason, that it didn't want to exist any longer. If the knot would have a belly we would be able to say it would have the belly full of itself. And it started to eat up itself. The knot gobbled itself. It absorbed itself because it had done a decision for the first time. There the knot experienced awful pain all of a sudden the very first time and the pain came into the world. It was exciting. As the knot gobbled itself it became fur because it didn't know what happened to itself and the fur came into the world. Also that was exciting. The knot was glad and happy to have feelings all at once and there the joy and the happiness came into the world. And after all, shortly before the knot was finishing it started to cry out of excitement and exhaustion and from all its tears became stars, then whole galaxies and shortly before it died the knot was shouting loudly once again. Ah! And from its shout became endless dreams and when the knot was dead the death came into the world and from the moment on everything would have a very first end. And if I would have told all that I would became tired myself by my fantasy and I would cover the child, kiss its forehead and switch off the bedside light. Then I would go to the door with cautious steps. But shortly before I would be able to close the door my child would say with razor sharp voice, Mama. And I would answer, Yes and whisper on without reason. And my child would say, with you the universe is starting with a suicide. And I would say, my sweetheart, please do dream something nice.
का समास
machinery and technology is making a lot of trouble, upset all the old things. So we're going to take all the machinery away from all the countries in the world, all machinery, all the tracks and the wires and the works, we're going to dump it all in the ocean. And you'll discover that within six months, two billion people will die of starvation having gone through great pain. So you say, that's not a very good idea, let's put the machinery back where it was. Then. We're going to take all the politicians from all the countries around the world and we're going to send them a trip around the sun. And you find, and you find we keep right on eating. And with the political barriers down, you'll have what the scientists have said is necessary. The scientists say very clear, you could make the world work and take care of 100% of humanity, the highest standard of living than anybody has ever known, despite an increasing population, but you can't do it with the, with the, with the, the barriers any more than you can try to run the human organism with a wall between the ear and the eye and the stomach. Before Stanofilko and Buckminster Fuller are speaking with each other, I have to say that both of them, they are so much interested, not only in our world, our environment, but also the cosmos, the universe, with all these ongoing dimensions, furthermore dimensions, the fifth, the sixth, seventh and so on. For a bit better understanding I was asking the curator of Stanofilka, Miss Karatova, if she could us read out of one of his artworks some of his sentences. Please. Ms. Karatova. Conclusion 1937, Karma Kve, Dharma Kve, Facilitator Sefe, Uh, being as f as f existent existente SF authentic SF par excellente ethicodex tracto Traktove sentea okve, analitická analýza okve, pulzatea okve, triada okve, fifth, fourth, third D, permanentea okve, diachron sf, 
menovateľ SF, akt SF, nový vek, new age, globsot SF, bin 3D, kozmové smíre IOQ, easy time space IQ, 3D, cez 4D, zoom Q, the zoom Q, duch spiritao Q, universus F, mem, mem, no, fizi quotient, quotientao Q, up, up, Consciousness SV Hastetic Time SV Act SV Postmaterializmus SV Act SV Phenomen Act Phenomen Focus V In the history of man, his emergence from the days of almost universal illiteracy, scientific ignorance, finding himself endowed with hunger, thirst, and urge to reproduce all of which nature had provided to be sure that he would either regenerate himself or if he was failing to regenerate himself to regenerate new life to take his place so that life would persist upon our planet that drive for hunger could not be gratified except by experiment he found a berry Experimentally, he tried that, and sometimes that berry poisoned him. Other berries helped him survive. By trial and error, he gradually learned that he could eat the meat of animals, and the animals could make the experiments for him with the berries. And if the animal was live, and then his flesh was almost always very, very safe. Nothing was a safer kind of food for him than that. There were some fruits that he found that were safe to eat. But the fundamental system of regenerating life on our, board, our planet is uh, that of the supplying of our planet with energy as radiation from the sun. Man cannot take that radiation through his skin in adequate quantities to keep him alive. If he exposed himself too vigorously to the sun, we know he'll get very much of a burn. Now, the vegetation on the land and the sea have been designed to carry on that impoundment energy, being water cooled through the roots or algae water cooled in its being in the, in the water itself. The vegetation impounds the energy then as by photosynthesis in very large quantities. Man can't eat the tree or the grasses or 
much as many, very few of the leaves. He can't eat some of the fruits, we know, or the nuts, it's new seeds. And he, many, many creatures can eat the bark and the trees and the leaves and so forth, and there are great chemical interchange cycles going on between the various caterpillars and worms at work and the various insects at work, uh, which develop a, a total uh, sorting out of chemis chemistries and, and uh, take part in a, a complementary system, just as, for instance, the vegetation giving off various kinds of chemicals as gases, as it makes its, as it combines other other of its chemistries in, in the process of the inhibiting of the sun radiation through photosynthesis. Giving the vegetation giving off those gases constantly, finally there would it'd be a one-way cycle and, and uh, the, uh, the chemistry would come to a, to a dead end to offset this the design of, of life on Earth finds all the mammals uh, requiring the very gases given off by the vegetation and the and then the mammals convert that the gases taken in uh, back into the gases that are necessary for the to be inhibited by the by the vegetation. So the, there is this great complex set of events. And in, in the to sum totally, the, by far the largest amount of energy that is safe for man's uh, uh, consumption is in the form of the meats. Now the relatively few animals, and the hunting was difficult, and there were the strongest men uh, trying to monopolize the, the animals and, and, and made the weaker men live on the roots and and, uh, and berries. We have man in his ignorance then uh, finding little that he knows that will keep him going and his hunger is very great and he, he tends to proliferate and so the numbers increase and there's less and less food per capita humans then find themselves fighting for over the food, giving mortal battle, fight with sticks and stones, and finally they found better types of weapons and ways of spears, and finally get to where they're taking the metals out of the ground, they're having swords and rapiers to fight with, and we find then the young man, while he's still full of strength and muscle and some health, eager to discover whether he'll be the one to, to die or the one to live and, and dueling with the other men for survival. Then guns begin to replace the swords. And then the, gun, the sword fly, we have the rapier moving so fast that the, the, the rapier got in the cooter kill killed the one man move too fast that way to see it. Then the guns went again using revolvers and pistols for the building. It was almost always the case that one man who could pull his trigger the most steadily without jerking his gun 
got his gun and his bullet away, and the other man's bullet never did get out of his gun. That's customary in that's the way the casino work out in spare memory in all the great Western dueling. bigger and bigger guns and greater, greater weapons carriers and battleships and finally guns in the air, airplanes. We have the developing chemistries and explosives and developing carry greater and greater hitting power, greater and greater distances, greater, greater accuracy and that's what I said for. Certainly what we better do is to have a great many of our people producing in the, in the, on the farms and in the factories. And then we need some inter-accommodation then by the politicians. We'll, all, all these people then keep their eyes on their farms, looking at this year's crop and the fact factory man keeping his eye on his production, this year's production, and the politician looking at this year's, this year's or next year's election. Very, all very short-sighted and all looking inwardly to their own economy. And th then these, these people feel safe to do so by leaving it to having a professional military to, to develop very much bigger guns and get ready for Armageddon. And so it's the job of the military to look outside the country and look at the whole world. Only the military then tends to look at the whole world. And not only look at the whole world, but to look way ahead many years, not just ne next year's crop getting into very long distance scientific and technical developments and because development of great weapons carriers such as navies will take 25, 30, 40 years to develop the great air aircraft system all the it has to be all the factories of blast furnaces and so forth for producing the the components long before you can have the end products so that the very very long distance undertakings but we have then the difference between the domestic economy, people looking inwardly and very short-sightedly, and the military looking outwardly at the whole world instead of just the local country, and looking at very great long-distance programs in time. And we have the scientists taking on the, when the uh, science then was fundamentally uh, subsidized by, by the military and by this forward-looking for great getting ready for Armageddon. We have then in World War I a fantastic new era of industrialization producing all kinds of tools that make possible the carrying on of airplane and, and submarine types of fighting. Very new in World War I, but they were the new kinds of tools, the new military tanks and so forth showing up, gas warfare and other very horrible ways of killing. Enormous mass slaughter going on. We have <coughs> With, with the World War II, 
the ability to deliver the hitting power even greater distances. But even with World War II, except for the Germans sending the V, v uh, the rockets from uh, from Germany into England, the, the distance that you could fire and fire in such a way as to be able to hit was a, a not very great sending from a battleship or any any fixed cannon on the ground could send it possibly five, ten miles. There was even some firing of, of 20 miles. The present type of what they call rockets had not been developed at all. We did have a, then the airplanes making fairly long distance delivery. We have planes flying out of England into Germany, out of Germany into England. But uh, that's about the greatest distance. You could send your, your fighters or your bombers very heavily loaded. Uh, we didn't have any really transatlantic type of uh, flying of, of weapon, uh, of hitting power delivery. World War II did then see the Germans developing this kind of great rocketry and uh, the United States developing the, finally actually getting it from the German scientists, the ability to develop the atomic power. So you have the fantastic hitting power suddenly available and we have it making it very long distance delivery at the very end of World War uh, II when, when we have the planes, United States planes going all the way to Hiroshima developing the first atomic bomb. From this point on we have very much increased distance of uh, delivery much faster than airplane, airplane uh, best airplanes at the end of World War two before we get into jets making three and four hundred miles an hour more, more, more average I'd say about three hundred if they want to have it long range quite different from the jet speeds of six hundred uh, twice that now well we get six hundred miles an hour with with a jet plane a, a bullet would go at a considerably faster than that It's making well over a thousand miles an hour. And then we come to the rocket delivery, which had been initiated by, really initially developed in a big way by the Germans, even though Goddard had invented the rocket back in, in, the, in the United States. And with the, with the rocket came then the ability to send from one of the hitting power from continent to continent. And the rocket could fly that <coughs> warhead, atomic warhead, at 15,000 miles an hour, as, as to be compared with the jet jet flight of uh, somewhere around 600 miles an hour. So you have a 600 uh, into 15,000, which is a, a very very large, it's th 30 times as fast. We have not only a 30 times as fast delivery of the warhead, but coming 5,000 miles distant from continent to continent. Have both the United States and Russia then dropping enormous stockpiles of atomic warheads and having them on their respective continents and able to deliver the, deliver them the 5,000 mile jump and at 15,000 miles an hour. This would be so much faster, 12 times as fast as a bullet. Now, I started off with the, the realization that the rapier moved faster than the eye, and with the revolver, the only one man got his bullet away because 
the bullets were so much faster than the human, uh, the human eye, the other, uh, the human reactions. So when you get to going 12 times the speed of a bullet with the rocket warhead, you think there's no way you could stop that. But the, here suddenly came a very surprise factor in history. Man had, uh, up to this century, thought of universe as being instant universe. And this instant universe, there were all the stars always there, but then the turn of the century, how the speed of light is measured. Nobody ever thought it had a speed at all, because its speed was so vastly greater than anything else. So sure enough, it found 186,000 miles a second. This, this means 700 million miles an hour. So I've been talking miles an hour, 15,000 miles an hour for the rocket, uh, 600 miles an hour for the jet airplane. 700 million miles an hour for the speed of light. With the speed of light came then the development of what we call a radar. And, and the radar simply bounces signals off of any, uh, uh, any particular object and can even re recognize the object and bring the information back where that object is. So with the atomic warheads being launched from continent to continent with at 15,000 miles an hour but 5,000 miles to go, it means then that, uh, uh, that uh, it's going to take one third of an hour, which is 20 minutes. So <coughs> we have the atomic warhead launched by one of the major states, and the, but the radar eye is moving at 700 million miles an hour see it approximately instantly. Is, and it takes only uh, a very small fraction of one second for that radar eye to, to re reach across the 5,000 miles, see the, see the uh, rocket warhead launch and, and come back and tell you about it. So we now, uh, that rocket has been fired with the warhead and it's now going to go and hit, hit its enemy and, and it's, it's the, this warhead, atomic warhead is so devastating that no way that the enemy can get away from it. It's going to cover s such a large territory when it explodes. <coughs> we have, in effect, here a, a dueling. If you think of a pistol duel, where one man fires his pistol, but the bullet is now going to take 20 minutes to get to the other man. And the other man can, has the ability to see the bullet coming, and while he can't run and dodge that bullet, it's going to hit him where it, no matter how he crouches and runs because uh, this bullet has the ability to follow him. So he said, I, I have 19 minutes, so he fires his gun at the other man, so both bullets get into the air. And now this bullet's going to hit the other man, no way he can dodge it, so both men are destined to be killed. They say, I, I, I don't, they're both then uh, having been, become doomed, and they say, I'm going to make it much worse for all the rest of your side, just a few of you are going to get hit, I'm going to hit everybody. So. By the time the 20 minutes is up, we have both sides have gotten not only all the atomic warheads in the air, but they have all the, it's also delivering by rocket, all the gas warfare and the uh, micro warfare. Between these three kinds of hittings of the atomic warhead and, and the gas and, and the micro warfare means that everybody on both sides are going to be killed. Not only everybody on both sides, but it will, will be so devastated that approximately all the rest of the people will in due course perish. It makes a, it'll throw the balance of life out of gear to that extent. This became a very extraordinary moment when then the Joint Chiefs of Staff in Russia and the Joint Chiefs of Staff in the United States, at the time that Khrushchev came into power and Eisenhower came into the presidency, 
both, both sides realized for the first time in history that now you had a new kind of warfare where instead of one side dropping dead and one side automatically winning, we have a case where neither side can win. And as neither side can win if you do use your biggest warhead. So what did, what did uh, the great joint, joint Chiefs of Staff of Russia and the United States have to say? They said, well, apparently the Malthusian doctrine is still correct and, and, and that means that there is nowhere nearly enough to go around. So one very large block of humanity is going to, to die simply because they will not have enough resources. Therefore, we're going to have to have some kind of a war. And if we can't use the, 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 the biggest warhead, how, how, how are we going to carry out uh, how are we going to carry on when the war comes? So Vietnam was experimental warfare between the Russia and the United States to see how we would carry on the war <coughs> under the circumstances of not using their greatest hitting power. Now, Russia and the United States couldn't have the experimental warfare directly with one another because they would have they both their political sides become so exercised and not be able to un unjoin the war and they would be forced to get up the hotheads on both sides and say get up to the war using those atomic warheads. So what they did was to they each one back uh, one back to Vietnam, uh, the Vietnamese and the other Viet Cong and uh, both seemingly hiding behind it but no time at all it turns out that the world begins to know that the United States is backing the Vietnamese and even though it is a good public record of the Russia backing the Viet Cong, that was not approximately never in the news. It turns out that yes, sure, the Viet Cong were using some kind of, they were using the anti-aircraft equipment sent to them by the Russians and other equipment, but uh, the, it never was very prominent. It was always just highly prominent that the United States not only was backing the, Viet, the Vietnamese, but it was sending their own troops there in very large numbers, and the Russians were able to avoid sending their, their own troops because there was a large, such enormous numbers of the, of the, uh, uh, of the Chinese and the Indo-Chinese Indo people. Now, we have uh, the, the, in as much as they couldn't use their, their biggest kind of hitting power, it became really, from the military viewpoint, if you if you escalated into into more bigger hitting power such as the airplanes and so forth, the side that was using the largest devices such as the bombing was on the way towards having to use the rocketry that is going in the wrong direction of the warfare, and from a military viewpoint that side was losing. Then, <coughs> what what would really be the winning tactic? If you couldn't use your big guns, you'd go in for all kinds of subversive warfare, not only for the guerrilla warfare which would be, uh, and you would reverse every kind, every known chivalry. Uh, uh, you, would, you would take advantage, every, every kind of advantage of the other man's credulity and his condition reflexes. But above all, the way in which that war was, was fought, uh, has been fought, was by trying to des destroy the credit of the, uh, the, the other side with the people of the world. And, and then beyond that, of destroying the, the one side's confidence in itself. And th <coughs> this meant then that they, with a, somewhere around 150 billion a year going into war today uh, on the part of Russia, China, uh, the NATO, France, United States, the United States of course a very large part of that, out of the 150 billion, 
around 50 billion has gone into com completely subversive warfare. And, and the Russians have been very much more skillful in the psychology and preparation of, the, of, the, of this invisible kind of subversive uh, warfare, psychological warfare. Cosmos, space, universe, universe. Cosmos, cosmos, space, cosmos, universe, cosmos, universe, cosmos, space, universe, space, space. Cosmos, universe, universe. Cosmos, space, space, universe. Cosmos, space, universe, universe, space. Cosmos, universe, space, space, universe. Space, universe, cosmos. Cosmos, space, universe. Space, cosmos, universe. And you can assume how that, that $50 billion you don't just send cosmos, out. Cosmos, uh, Just universe. hope somebody's going to go to the other sides uh, and, and try to get in cosmos, and, and upset them a little. Cosmos, we have fantastically carefully trained men, brilliantly trained. Universe. The most intimate studies made of every single life pattern of the other side. And you have such a uh, secret activity as the CIA Cosmos. and the Russian equivalent then trying to permeate the other man's economy, not to, not to try to sell any kind of ideology, not having the Russians come to the United Cosmos. States and trying to sell communism, the communist United States going to Russia trying to sell capitalism, that was obviously ineffective. What you did simply tried to have train, very carefully trained people who learn how to exercise people's discontent, fears, unhappiness of any kind. And we have them, this is very, very well done. And, and every kind of, of uh, 
understanding of that kind of vulnerability in the, in the, in the United States on the part of the Russians. Uh, we knew we understand our psychologists the prevalent weaknesses in, of, the, of the Russians. The Russians have been able to be very much more effective in exploiting it. Cosmos, universe, universe, cosmos, space, universe, 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 universe. Cosmos, space, cosmos, universe. Cosmos, space, universe. Space, Cosmos Universe Cosmos Space Universe 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 is black. Cosmos, space, universe. Space, space, space. Universe, universe. Cosmos, cosmos, cosmos. Cosmos, space, universe. Universe is black. Cosmos, 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 cosmos. Cosmos, 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 Cosmos. Cosmos, Cosmos, Cosmos. We tried to think about the most primitive information we have. Cosmos, 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 Cosmos. Guarding our, our extraordinary experience is that I think we choose the fact that all humanity has always been born naked, 
absolutely cosmos, 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 and our refusal equipment, as we learn later on, no experience, cosmos, therefore absolute ignorance. Cosmos, cosmos, That's where all humanity has cosmos, always started. Cosmos. And we've come to the point where in our trial and error, cosmos, finding our way, cosmos, <laughs> stimulated cosmos, by cosmos, designed in hunger, <laughs> designed in thirst. These are conscious inputs, designed in procreative urge. We have an enormous amount of, as we learned later on, designed in automated processing of the interrelationships of our, all the atoms in our organism. Cosmos. Down in them with the, a consciousness Cosmos. of the hunger, <laughs> giving Cosmos. a drive to go after, <laughs> to seek, to experiment. Man having then <coughs> no rule book, <laughs> nothing to tell him about that universe, <laughs> has had to really find his way entirely <laughs> by trial and error. Cosmos. He had Cosmos. no words, <laughs> had no experience to assume the others had an experience. Had at first very incredibly limited way of communicating. We now know Cosmos. human beings being on our planet Cosmos. for Cosmos. Cosmos. probably Cosmos. three and a half million years, with, as far as we can see, not much physiological change, pretty much the same skeleton. Now, what we can learn of human beings in their earliest recorded communicating in the, in the Cosmos. Degree. Cosmos. Cosmos. People in India 5,000 years ago, China 5,000 years ago, were thinking very extraordinarily well in terms of anything we know about our experience, the way we've been able to Cosmos. resolve experiences into the discovery of principles that seem to be operative in our universe. Cosmos. I'm, I'm astonished at how Cosmos. well the Cosmos. Early Hindu Cosmos. Chinese thinker, how Cosmos. well he was able to process Cosmos. his information Cosmos. in view of the very much, very limited amount of information humanity had as of that time in, in comparison to anything we have today. Just making a little jump on information as we, as humanity on board of our planet entered into what he called World War One. These scientists around the world have ways of reporting to one another officially and the chemists have what they call chemical abstracts. The chemical abstracts are methodical publications of anything and everything any chemist finds that he publishes information regarding it which becomes a chemical abstract. <laughs> As a world entering World War One. Uh, in the 20th, what's we call it, the 20th century, it's a very arbitrary Cosmos. kind of a counting matter. Cosmos. We have Cosmos. some Cosmos. hundred, I think it was hundred, Cosmos. I'm doing this off the top of my head, my, 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 about 175,000 known Cosmos. substances, possibly almost a quarter of a million Cosmos. substances by the Cosmos. time the United States came into the war, Cosmos. known to chemistry. When we came Cosmos. out of World War I, Almost a million substances now. 
By the time we entered World War II, we were up into ten million. And we've come out of it now. The figure is really getting me astronomical. We can't really keep track of the rate which we're discovering more. Just talking about differentiable substances, chemically distinct from one another. Those are typical of the information. Really, it's a, it's a, it's a bursting, bursting rate now in, in, in relation to, I'm speaking in relation to my own life, one, one life and the, the, the extraordinary numbers of lives that must have been on board of our planet. And the information is in, in multiplying that rate during just one lifetime indicates that something is going on here right now that is utterly unprecedented and we're in such indication of acceleration of experiences human beings, the integration of the accelerated, the experienced, to produce awarenesses that are indicative of humanity going through some very, very important kind of transition into some kind of new relationship with the universe, I say. The kind of acceleration that occurs after the child has been formed in the womb, taking the nine months, and, and then suddenly gets the issue from, from the womb out into a entirely new world. So I think we're, we're apparently coming to out of some common womb of designedly permitted ignorance, given faculties which we gradually discover and learn to employ by trial and error. And we're at a point where I've, I now have what would also seem absolutely incredible to generations before. I've now completed 37 circuits of our Earth, kind of zigzagging circuits, not straight around, not tourists, just responding to requests to, to appear here and there, to lecture in universities or to design some structure, whatever it may be. So <coughs> that, that is in the everyday pattern that I'm circuiting that Earth. Certainly makes it in evidence that we are dealing in a, a totality of humanity, not the or up to up to my generation, completely divided humanity, spread very far apart on our planet. Where my father was in the leather importing business in Boston, Massachusetts, United States, and he imported from two places primarily, the Venice areas and in India for bringing in leathers for the shoe industry, of, uh, which was set at that time in, in the Boston area. And his nail, or a trip that he would like to make to Argentina, took two months each way. And his trip to India and the mail took exactly three months each way. And his way seemed absolutely logical to humanity when early in this century, Rudyard Kipling, the English poet, said, East is East and West is West, but never the twain shall meet. It's a very, very rare matter for any human being to make such a travel as that, taking all those months. There were not many ships that could take him. All that has just changed in my lifetime to where it's a, I'm not just one of a very few making these circuits of the earth, but I'm, I'm one of probably getting to be pretty close to 20 million now who are making, living a life like that around our planet. And very much the whole young world doing so. I'm my students at various universities from around the world, halfway around the world again. They're, they're, they're all getting to be living as world people. So this is a very 
Futur! Sudden emergence into some new kind of relationship to our universe. Futur! Is being Futur! None of it was planned. There was nobody in time for my father, my mother, as I was brought up, the prophesying any of the things that were said. When I was, the year I was born, Marconi invented the wireless, but it did not get into any practical use until I was 12 years of age when the first steamship had sent an SOS. It's in distress by wireless, so think of it. Great many miles in the world began to know the ship was in distress, and ships began to rush to its aid. Absolutely unexpected. My father and mother would say, wireless? Such nonsense. And when I was three, the electrons discovered, and nobody talked about that. There wasn't any newspapers, nobody's interested in electrons. You know, this electron has been discovered. Perspective. I was brought up to the humanity would never get to the North Pole, absolutely impossible, never get to the South Pole, and our Mercator maps didn't even show anything, the northernmost points were very rugged, kind of a line, but you didn't see it, no anything up beyond that, and I was 14, man did get to the North Pole, and I was 16, he got to the South Pole, so the impossibles were happening. Like all other little boys, I was making paper darts for children school, but the boys must have been making them a very long time. And we were hoping we might be able to get to fly. But the parents, the parents say, darling, it's very, very amusing for you to try that, but it's inherently impossible for a man to fly. So when I was seven, the right brother suddenly flew. And I... I'm, I'm, my memory is vivid enough of seven to remember that the, for about a year the engineering societies were trying to prove it was a hoax, it was absolutely impossible for man to do that. So then, not only was that, that radio, but when I was 23, which is, I guess many in this room are not 23 yet, when I was 23, the human voice came over the radio for the first time. And that's an incredible matter. Futur, Futur, when I was 27, Futur, we had the first licensed radio Futur, broadcasting. Futur, 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 Futur. When I was 38, Futur, Futur, I was asked to go on a, an experimental TV Futur, studio program in New York where the Columbia Broadcasting had 70 Futur, sets, which in the in various scientists in there. Homes and, and they had experimental programs going on, so I, they didn't have any money for paying anybody. The man who ran it, Gilbert Seldes, a friend of mine, ran the studio, and so I often appeared on this program, but we don't have television operating in the United States until after World War II. So we were talking about, I was, I was 40, 45 when we had our first television. So this very, could be a more recent matter, and yet and nobody thought at that time you were going to have, they didn't know you were going to have transistors, they didn't know you were going to have, man was going to have satellites going around the earth, they didn't know we were going to have radio relay satellites, that we were going to be able to have programs coming, to any, coming out of any part of the earth, or any other part of the earth, absolutely. Now one of these steps was ever anticipated by any of the others. So that, Having experienced that, I also experienced 
living with my fellow human beings who I find no sooner has it happened than he said, I knew it all the time. I'm not one of those to be surprised I was thought in on it. You know, I was a little bit responsible. There is, a, there is a strange vanity of man, and I think the vanity that he has was essential to his being born naked and helpless and having to make some fantastic number of mistakes he had to make in order to really learn something. And I think he'd been so disgruntled, so dismayed by the mistakes and the errors that he would never been able to carry on. He would just been absolutely discouraged. So he was given a strange vanity to say, continually sort of make him himself an exempt. And he was, he was some kind of privilege and always in. And he's able to then quite clearly deceive himself a great deal. So I find everybody today so get, get the moon, anybody do that, that's absolutely simple and logical. Now, there, it is obvious and simple and logical, provided you were born. And this has happened in your lifetime. You can see how it happened. I began to realize with that rapid changing going on, which was, I was anticipated, uh, not anticipated, People call natural when I was young. The natural related to a state before the great changes occurred, where we were supposed to say we were inherently remote from other human beings, and where you can get the other human beings. The universal environment is an invitation to, to a visitor the camera to experience for a short while a constructive reality. One of possible actions of the active visitor of the camera in the universal environment. One, if the entrance into the environment, the visitor, the camera, may weigh and measure his own body and thus get some knowledge about himself, at least from the physical point of view. Two, visitor wishing to get into the center of the three setting has to pen penetrate through the three nylon string net screens. They are symbols of humanity and technology painted Then he finds himself on a miracle floor where, where everything is multiplied and where he finds himself in company with his own reflected images. He himself can choose where to enter. Three. In the center of the setting, a rotating triple chandelier adds to the, to the whole setting a moving, omnipresent, radiating color light. Four. The table may be of the same material as the, as the rest of the environment is put at its center. On it, a chess board with chessmen awaits the visitor's participation, a symbol of thought and existence. At the corners of the mirror, mirror area, 
There are moving illuminated globes of the universe, universe and the earth, enabling the visitor to travel at least in thought. Five, on a pneumatic bed where a, a woman is painted, also by anti-manual technique, a visitor, visitor can sit down, have a rest, contemplate or listen to, listen to the radio, whichever he may choose. Six, further on the visitor, finds himself in a space between two and two mirror walls facing each other where his image is optical, multiplied, resulting in an impression of infinite, infinite space. Seven, on the real wall Hilko. of the setting, setting there is a non-stop changing projection Hilko. of the symbols and desires Hilko. of man mankind. Hilko. The universe, people, Hilko. casts, technology, even here, he sees himself mirrored all the time and is therefore a part of the whole reality in which man exists. Therefore, the setting acts as one complete and consequent entirety of life. The environment is not experienced as a, as a curiosity, something to walk through and look around, but, but as a vivid reality awaiting the, part the participation of the visitor who himself in an environment full of other other artifacts becomes a live statue Here 
Sedem čakier, sedem farieb, sedem energií. Sedem čakier ako sedem dní stvorenia sveta je to vlastne naberanie energií z kozmu do človeka. Seven chakras, seven colors, seven energies. Seven chakras like seven days of the world's creation. It's in fact a person receiving the energies from the space, from the cosmos. Prvá čakra je červená, červená energia v znaku symbolu štvorca, kocky, zem, voda, oheň, vzduch, ktorý znázorňuje pondelok. Je to biológia, empíria, gnozeológia, noetika, etika. Je to vlastne tretia dimenzia v reáli ktorý je neštilizovaný, neabstrahovaný a už vôbec neabstraktný. The first chakra is red, red energy. And the symbol of square, a cube. Earth, fire, water, air, which represents Monday. It is biology. Empirics, Gnosologic, Noetica, Ethics. It is in fact the third dimension in reality. It is in fact third dimension. Druhá čakra znázorňuje kreativitu, je oranžová energia, oranžová farba, ktorá 
sa nachádza na ľudskom tele pod pupkom. Slovo Hepsos sme uzakonili spolu s Minárčikom. Vymysleli sme ho a dali sme ho dokopy v 65. roku spolu. Hepsos to je vlastne tiež také ako slovo slovenské a zároveň ako svetové. Je to také socializmus, soc, sociológia zo spoločtenštenia, happy, ako šťastné zo spoločtenštenia. Úvodovka. To je vlastne postmodernizmus. Je to ironická mystifikácia, ironická identifikácia, mystifikácia. The second chakra portrays the creativity, orange energy, the orange color. on human body below the navel. We established the word hapsots with Milnarchik. Together we made it up and put together in 1965. Hapsots is actually Slovak as well as a worldwide word. It's like socialism, sots, sociology, socialization, like happy socialization, in quotation marks. It is in fact postmodernism, it's an ironic identification. Ďalšia čakra je tretia, ktorá sa nachádza na ľudskom tele nad púbkom. Je žltá, žltá farba, žltá energia, ktorá znázorňuje intelekt a cit zároveň. Ako symbol, ako znak. Next chakra is the third one. It is yellow, it's yellow color, yellow energy, which depicts intellect and emotion at the same time. As the symbol and the sign. Teraz otvoríme vám postel, ktorá predstavuje intelekt a cit zároveň. 
Keď sme to otvorili, tu vznikla trojfarebnosť, trojkonfederácia, biela, modrá, červená. Červená ako tretia dimenzia, modrá ako štvrtá dimenzia, biela ako piatá dimenzia. Začneme od piatej dimenzie. Na druhej strane je čierna ako symbol ega. ktoré znázorňujú vyjadrenie tohto symbolu, týchto symbolov rozumu a citu. Ešte je tu priehradka ako symbolega. Je to taká krása, a nie ani tá krása, ale etika ktorá znázorňuje tento život. A pár vecí vám teraz ukážeme vonku v exteriéri. Now I will open the bed for you, which depicts the intellect and emotion at the same time. Tricolor arrow with triple confederation. Red is the third dimension, blue is the fourth dimension, white is the fifth dimension. Let's begin from the fifth dimension. On the other side is black as a symbol of ego. Here inside are objects which represents expression of this symbol, these symbols of wisdom and emotion. There's even shelf as a symbol of ego. It is such beauty not even beauty, but ethics, which represents this life. Now we will show you some objects outside in the exterior.
Ďalšia čakra je štvrtá, ktorá znázorňuje štvrtok v týždni. Je to srdce, zelená farba, zelená energia, ktorá je na úrovni ľudského tela srdca v strede hrudníka. The next chakra is the fourth, which represents the Thursday within the week. It's the heart, it's green color, green energy, which is on the level of heart in the middle of the thorax of the human body. Je to taká šťastná sociológia, šťastná sociologická ontológia. Nie politika, nie straníckosť, ale je to tá nadstraníckosť nad týmito vecami, nad političnosť. Je to antimilitarizmus. Je to šťastný socializmus, ale uvozvuka. Tvrdý rav, rustika, bizarnosť, inzita, realita, geny zloci, etika. A toto stále existuje. A to je vlastne inými slovami, ako je manifestne napísané, povedané, čo je hepsos. It is such a happy sociology, happy sociology, ontology, not politics, not party lining, but is non-party lining above these things are political. It is anti-militarism. It is happy socialism, but in quotation marks. Roughness, rustics, bizarreness, naive. Reality, genius, loyalty, ethics. It still exists. It is said by other words than written in manifesto what the absence is. Ďalšia čakra, piata, je modrá, modrá kozmológia, modrá energia, priestor, kozmos, kozmológia, heliocentrizmus, štvrtá dimenzia, ktorá sa nachádza na ľudskom tele v krku. The next chakra, the fifth, is blue. Blue cosmology, blue energy, space. It's the cosmos, cosmology, heliocentrism. First dimension, which is inside the neck of the human body.
Celý Hepsoc je vlastne postmodernizmus a skutočnosť je taká, že dneskajšej dobe, kde sme, sme vlastne stále taký istý, ako sme aj boli v podstate. Psychický človek je stále ten istý, stále taký istý, len sa mení trošku technika, trošku iné možnosti. Ale Hepsoc je vlastne, ako som povedal, antipolitický, ale zabudol som povedať, že je antidiplomatický. Je aj antimalomešťacký. No a vlastne tým pádom, že ľudia väčšinou všetko stávajú na diplomácii, na malomešťanstve, tak vlastne ten Hepsoc nemajú radi. Lebo je to holá, pravá, neštilizovaná, neprispôsobivá, nediplomatická skutočnosť. Po celom svete vlastne úprimnému umeniu to patrí aj na Slovensku. Málo ľudí holduje, to nie je jedno ľudí. Nenávidí ho, nebo nemá na to ani psychiku, ani vedomosti, ani čas, ani peniaze, ani priestor. A to je strašne veľa vec. A preto je ten život taký, aký je, je to len Reality is such that in these times now, where we exist, we are still the same as we used to be, basically. The human is still the same psychologically, still the same, only technology changes a little, a little bit different opportunities. But Hapsots is actually, as I said, anti-political, but I forgot to say that it's anti-diplomatic and anti-petit bourgeois. Actually, because people build everything around diplomacy, petit bourgeois, they don't like hapsots because it's naked, genuine, non-styled, stylized, unjustable, non-diplomatic reality. On the whole world, that includes Slovakia too, only small percentage of people wallow honest art. Normally they hate it because they can't afford it either psychology, either knowledge, either time, either money, nor space. And that is too many no's. Therefore, the life is like it is. It's only petit bourgeois theater. Ďalšia čakra je tretie oko, ktorá sa nachádza medzi očami, minimálne nad očami. Čierna energia, čierna farba, alebo indigomodrá. The next chakra is the third eye which is between the eyes, at least above the eyes. It's black energy, black color or indigo blue.
ďalšia a posledná čakra je biela čakra, ktorá znázorňuje piatu dimenziu, biela farba, biela energia, ako epistemologická ontológia, absolútne nadčasový spirit, väčšie svetlo, ktorá na ľudskom tele sa nachádza na vrchu hlavy. The next and last chakra is the white chakra, which represents the fifth dimension. It's white color, the white energy. Like epistemology, ontology, absolute, super time spirit, eternal light, which is on the top of the head of the human body. Final je slobodné, voľné, nekompromisné, nepolitické, nestranické, nestranické, nediplomatické, naddiplomatické myslenie, ktoré je až fanatické, až anegranské, ktoré je vnútorné, hlboké, až dostojevské hlboké, ktoré nezastalo na estetike, ale je to etika, vedomia i podvedomia. Asi toľko, to je všetko. V skratke, ako taký nadpis o fine arte. Fine art is free, loose, uncompromising, non-political, non-party lining, super-party lining, non-diplomatic, super-diplomatic, thinking, which is even fanatic, underground-like, which is inner, deep, even Dostoevsky-like deep, which didn't stop on aesthetics, but it is ethics of conscious and unconscious, that much, that is all. That is in short cut like caption of how to define fine arts. Narodenie 1937, 1947, 1957, 1967. Hepsoc 5, Hepsoc 5. Pozvánka do reinkarnácie. Horizontála, vertikála. Bieleho, starého a nového zákona. Všade vás všetkých pozývame na reinkarnáciu Znovu zrodenie, narodenie, piata dimenzia, rovná sa absolútny fajn art. Born 1937, 
Hapsots 5, Hapsots 5th, Invitation for Reincarnation, Horizontal, Vertical, White, Old and New Testament, Everywhere, Everyone, We and White, On, Reincarnation, Rebirth, Birth, Fifth Dimension equals Absolute, Fine Art. epistemologicko-ontologická metafyzika, nadčasovo-absolútny, absolútne nadčasový duch, spirit, biele väčšie svetlo, absolút, biela čákra, energia, transcendencia. Absolute life before birth. Absolute life after death. Clinical death 1945 and 1942. Filko. Absolutny život pred narodením, ticho. Absolutny život po smrti, klinická smrť 1945 a 1952. Filko. Realized visual, optical, Space and verbal equals text, fine art, word, fine art, letter, fine art, speak, fine art, talk, fine art, free art, world, fine art, writing, fine art, absolute, 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 freedom, liberty, art. Realizované vizuálne, optické, priestorové a verbálne rovná sa text fine art, slow fine art, liter fine art, speak fine art, talk fine art, slobodné umenie, world fine art, writing fine art, absolute, absolute, absolute. Freedom, Liberty Art.
This was Hörmaschine. Das war die Hörmaschine. 4848. With a travel into the cosmos of Sanofilco. Mit einer Reise in das Universum, in den Kosmos von Stanofilko. With a dialogue of Stanofilko with Buckminster Fuller, mit einem Dialog zwischen Stanofilko und Buckminster Fuller. Mit Musik von With Music by Saluki Rexide and Eisgild Kaiser und Eiskill Kaiser. Das war die Hörmaschine. This was Hörmaschine 14. 